Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank. I'm here with Byron. And if it's the first time listening to the show, we want to welcome you. And Byron, just let our listeners know uh, what we talk about on Politically Entertaining and get anything off your chest that you need to. We here at Politically Entertaining. Uh, first, want to thank you for tuning in. We try to bring you news and politics that we think is important to you. Also, news and politics that isn't covered as much in the mainstream media and try to bring it to your attention. If it's been covered heavily in the news, you probably won't hear too much about it on this show. Me and Frank, we try to cover what, you know, doesn't get spoken on a lot. Uh, before we get into politics, Frank and I, we, uh, we've been doing this show now for, I would say a few months, a couple of months now. And we actually got invited to our first interview to wind down with, uh, Erica Perkins and Aunt B. It was, uh, interesting to say the least. We, uh, discussed Black males getting shot by police, uh, and the, and is there some type of coincidence with Obama being president? We talked about marriage, which was a great, great topic. My wife loved the shout out I gave her. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on what it was like being on the other side because we usually interview people and this was our first opportunity to be interviewed by someone else. I thought I was, I thought I was great and you know, shout out to MB and, and EP, you know, as as stated on the interview, I was getting upset that we hadn't been on, but it was good to get <laughs> it was really good to get on there and just kind of talk to them. They, they you know they have a great perspective, uh, you know, and that's and that's what's so interesting, you know, because obviously we're we're men and we talk about politics, but they have such a a wide range of topics, so we were able to get to a lot of things that sometimes we don't get into here because obviously, uh, you know, we're we're a political show and that's and that's a good thing. But they just kind of cover a lot of bases. So it kind of allowed us to show our range of, of different topics and have some really good conversations. Uh, we didn't agree on everything, which I thought was even better because, you know, sometimes the Amen Corner is not the best show. So I kind of feel like there was some uh, there was enough dis- d- dissent, but there was some agreement. There was some fun stuff brought up and I, I enjoyed it. I would like to, you know, go back on at some point and, and, or maybe have, you know, Amb or EP come back on here, certainly closer to the election when there's more things happening. So, but like I said, I, I love their show. Go check them out. They're on, they're on iTunes and Google Play, I, I believe, as well. So just check them out and uh, listen to them. My favorite part was Aunt B saying how she agrees, she agrees, she agrees with you, and then you'll say something at the end that she doesn't agree with. But uh, it was fun, like, like you said, and uh, I enjoyed being on there. Two very attractive ladies, smart, funny. I think they're on to something with that show. And uh, I wish them nothing but best. And ladies, if you're listening, thank you again for having us on. With that said, let's get into some politics. Politically entertaining. Your Cliff's Notes to American politics. And now your host, Frank Entertaining. We're on Twitter at The Vocal Minority. We're also on Facebook. You can subscribe. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. We're also on podcast on Google Play. Just search for Politically Entertaining. Uh, we try to report a lot of different news on this show. And I don't want you I don't want you guys to think that we don't follow up on it. So I just wanted to give you a couple of updates on two stories we've brought to you 
on past episodes, uh, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned this 9-11 bill, Frank, to where uh, the Senate was considering voting on this bill that would allow the family members of victims of 9-11 to sue the Saudi government. Now, opponents of this bill were saying that it's not a good idea because it opens up our government to be sued by other countries. But what's also most important about this bill is if you remember the 9-11 commission report that came out a few years after 9-11, there were 28 pages missing from that uh, commission report that is that have never seen the day of light. And that what this bill would also release those 28 pages. And it said in those 28 pages that it does link some Saudi government officials to some of the 9-11 hijackers. In one case, one of the hijackers met with one of the government officials in Los Angeles, lived with him for a couple of years and allowed him to plot uh, this 9-11 strategy. So it's, it's, it's an interesting story because it's one of the rare instances where the Democrats in Congress are against the White House and the White House and the Republicans are more aligned. And you, they go as far as to you guys and Obama hoping that uh, Speaker Paul Ryan is against this bill because they are not for it, but many in Congress are. Uh, so just want to give you an update on that. The Senate passed that and the Saudi government has they've threatened to withdraw. They have seven hundred and fifty billion dollars in assets in our uh, in our country. They've threatened to withdraw it. Uh, so just want to get your take on that. And then I'll also give you the, the other story that I want to update you guys on. Yeah, I mean, as, as you said before, or, or as we said before on a previous show, I, I just don't know how this how this bill is going to provide any real uh, anything but a, but a can of worms. Like like you said, for other incidents uh, that the United States has been in, can, can we now be sued? Uh, you know, because the thing about international incidents is it's never as cut and dry as, OK, this one particular uh, government did it. Or it's, it's not as simple as, say, a Pearl Harbor where, you know, we, we went after Japan and stuff like that, where, you know, they bombed, they bombed, obviously, Pearl Harbor. But I, I just don't I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a very good idea. Uh, and, and obviously um, the sad thing is, you know, sometimes we have people in lawmaking um, positions that make decisions that, in my opinion, are not. Uh, how would you say the most I, I just don't I don't see the long range potential of this. So, you know, hopefully it doesn't doesn't make it through. But I guess we'll just have to see what happens. I guess uh, I the only thing that I would like to see, I definitely would like to see the 28 pages release. Uh, maybe if we could find a way to do the bill where we release the, uh, the 28 pages, but not allow uh, citizens to sue government. And I'm not even sure how that would work. Like, you know, what what court? Like who who would hold them accountable for this? I don't know if it's if the UN is involved or whatever, but like you say, it, it's definitely a big can of worms. The other story that I wanted to update you guys on was the Zika virus. You know, summer is coming. It's a virus that is spread by mosquito bites. Uh, the White House originally wanted one point nine billion dollars for it. Well, the Senate just recently passed a bill for one point one billion dollars to uh, fight it. The Republicans in the House. They passed their version of the bill and it's a lot less money than the White House or the Senate passed. Their bill is for six hundred and twenty two million. So the White House wanted one point nine billion. The Senate passed a bill that's one point one billion and the House passed one for six hundred and twenty two million, which is essentially almost half of what the White House wants. 
right now there doesn't seem to be any compromise. Uh, the House, they contend that we have about $1.3 billion left from the Ebola virus. I remember, if you remember that from a couple of years ago, they want the White House to use money left over from that to fight this. The White House has used half of that, but they don't want to use the other half in case we get another Ebola you know, outbreak. So they, they've, they're standing their ground saying they're not going to spend any more money. The House said, well, that's all you're going to get. Spend that. Come back to us in six months. They're playing with lives. Uh, this is a dangerous virus. You know, we've got the Olympics coming up. A lot of people are going to be traveling to is, is in Brazil, which is one of the hotbeds for this virus. The CDC is already saying that there are at least 544 people in this country that are affected. 800 total when you count the territories like uh, Puerto Rico. I remember you, you mentioned a case there. And we've already it's already affected us here. We've had to cancel a baseball game that was supposed to be played in Puerto Rico. They wind up moving it to Miami. And like I said, you got the Olympics. So a lot of experts are speculating if we don't do anything, we could be facing a serious outbreak uh, as the summer approaches. I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, the Zika virus has been I mean, not just the Zika virus, but the, and I just want to kick it, kick it to actual Brazil. There's been problems with Brazil going back even to the World Cup with with their water, you know, and not being clean. And so there's a lot of issues with that. And so now when you bring in the potential of the Zika virus and people traveling, you know, to obviously Brazil for, you know, our Olympic athletes, you, you have to get ahead of this thing because, you know, we've all seen the different movies, you know, uh, you know, outbreak, <laughs> contagion. There's different, you know, types of movies we we see that have, you know, these different viral models that happen. But rest assured, if there's an outbreak that happens, this is going to cause chaos. So I don't, I don't understand. There's no there's no partisan way to handle a potential, uh, you know, uh, epidemic or pandemic, uh, you know, when it comes to disease. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's getting like this. I'm not surprised, but, you know, but I am surprised. So hopefully this will this will get resolved because, you know, this it's not like the Zika virus is not going to discriminate between the right and the left, conservative and liberal. It, you know, those things are not, you know, those things don't matter once once you have this kind of an issue. So you know, hopefully we'll get we'll get ahead of it and, and get the resources in place because, you know, certainly certainly for us, we have children and, and such and, and, and wives. And, you know, you just don't want, want to see your family members affected by that, something that could be prevented. What's scary is they're continuing to learn about this virus. So when we first heard about it, it was like only pregnant women or or uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even talk. Only pregnant women are affected by this virus. And as we learn more and more, we learn that uh, not only is it uh, spread by mosquito bites, but also by it's, it's now a STD. It can be transmitted sexually. So we're learning more and more about it. And that's the scary thing about it is we don't we don't even know everything about this virus. And we have members that are, you know, playing around with how to fight it and how to fund it. There is one lone Republican in the Senate that wanted to pay the entire one point nine billion dollars. And that's Senator Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. He's the only one. And to his credit, he has been ringing the alarm on this nearly every day in the Senate. Uh, So we'll see what they do. But it doesn't look like they're going to pass anything close to the one point nine billion before this Memorial Day break. So Congress will be on break for a week as summer closely approaches. Uh, We're going to talk about. A young lady by the name of Crystal Lake a little later on in the show. 
She wore an interesting hat to work. Uh, she works at Home Depot. Some of you may have heard about this story. Uh, so me and Frank will give you our thoughts on that. Uh, Frank, I wanted to talk to you real quick about an abortion law in Oklahoma. And I want to bring it up because, you know, one of the themes on this show is how elections matter. And I just want to give the people an example of how elections matter. So I, I'm not going to necessarily give you my opinion on how I feel about abortion. But the the state of Oklahoma, the their their Congress, their state Congress passed a, an abortion bill that would have made it illegal for a doctor to perform abortion. And the, the penalty would have been three years in prison, a suspended license. Um, it, they're pretty much trying to get rid of Roe versus Wade. Like we have Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court decision and. It's just amazing how they feel like they can just go above and beyond what the Supreme Court says. Governor Mary Fallon, to her credit, uh, she did veto it last Friday. It passed, but she wound up vetoing it. And it was kind of surprising because she has passed some very strict uh, abortion laws in the past. Here's here's how tough it is to get an abortion. To me, it's already illegal in, in Oklahoma, the way they have these laws set right now. You can't get an abortion if you're more than 20 weeks pregnant. Uh, the morning after pill that many of you know about, uh, in order to take it in Oklahoma, a doctor has to be present when you take it. And they don't allow any insurance companies to cover abortion in that state. So they practically made it uh, <laughs> illegal already. And this was just another step. And you had members, I think one of the sponsors of the bill that tried to make it a felony to commit an abortion. He blatantly said, yes, we want we want this to make it all the way up to Supreme Court. We want to reverse Roe v. Wade. So if you're someone that is what is it, pro pro choice, you know, that this this is definitely an election in that state that you want to pay attention to. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you want to share how you feel on abortion or not, because I know it's a very sensitive subject but if not i at least wanted to get your thoughts on what they're doing in oklahoma i mean i, I don't have any problem sharing my opinion it's, it's, it's my show right I'm, i mean obviously our show but there you go you know if people don't like it they can uh you know close a window or whatever but you know i do i do have strong feelings about abortion i do i i am fundamentally against abortion uh but i am but i am still pro-choice and from what i understand where that comes from I don't believe in it. I would not do it if, if I happen to be in a situation where, you know, um, I, I ended up in a position where I was having a baby with, you know, obviously there is, you know, you hear that these side chicks or anything like that. I wouldn't ask, you know, her to, to get rid of it or anything like that. I would, yeah, I deal with the consequence of that. I, I, I am full, I am a believer in that. However, abortion might be needed in cases to save, you know, a mother's life or if you feel like the child is going to be, uh, you know, there's an issue, a serious issue where they're not going to be able to survive or have a certain quality of life. I'm not against it in those cases. I don't believe in it myself, but I believe people have the right to, to make their choices because it is their lives. So it's your consequence, right? If you abort your child, you have to live with it. I don't live with it. You know, it's like the people that get abortions every day, I don't know who they are and it doesn't really affect me. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, there's something they have to live with. For me, I have my own set of standards and morals, and that's kind of how I think people should should deal with this 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 uh, issue. You know, if if you don't believe in abortion, then whenever you're in a situation where it could come up, then don't do it, don't participate in it. But you know, certainly uh, when it comes to this law, 
the morning after pill and things like that. There's a there's a lot of things that go on. There's, you know, people that are getting date raped and things like that. And, and certain certain times, you know, those things, uh, you know, might be needed, might be wanted. You got to put yourself in a position, all positions and all perspectives. If you had a daughter and something happened where she was assaulted and she didn't necessarily want to have a baby from from an assault, would you have a problem with her taking a morning after pill? I personally would not. So it's just a lot of it's a very, very complicated issue. And it's not one thing that. Uh, you know, one person can tell you there's a one blanket that fits all. And certainly as a man, I, I have an issue uh, with with telling women what to do with with their bodies. Certainly uh, when they're the people carrying the children, I think that's the main thing that, that always comes back to me is like, well, you know, people are going to make their decisions. And these people that are carrying the children, uh, let, let them, you know, make the decision. And, you know, while I think it's wrong, there's a lot of things I think are wrong that we don't outlaw. You know, so, you know, we had a conversation about some things last week and obviously I don't want to get back into that on mm -hmm. the wind down about certain moral things. But, you know, again, you know, people got to make their decision. You know, I'm glad to see that, you know, we were bringing up the, you know, voting locally and, and, and making sure that your voice is heard. If you're strong pro-choice, you know, you got to, you know, get out there in these elections and make sure that, you know, people that support your decisions are in, are in office. You know what? I'm listening to you give your opinion on it. I actually don't know what I am because it, I, I agree with pretty much 90 percent of what you said. Like I'm I'm against abortion except for cases of rape and incest or if it's a uh, threat to the mother's health. But if I say that I'm pro-life, a staunch pro-lifer would say, no, you're not, because even in rape, even in incest, even in threat to uh, a mother's death, you know, abortion should not be an option. And I definitely couldn't say that on pro-choice because they would say, well, you know, you, you, your, your only stipulations are rape, incest. So I guess I'm somewhere in the middle of it, but it's just, it's not something that I just get that charged up about. You see people that attack abortion clinics and things of that nature. And I just think it's crazy. Um, so I just thought it was interesting what they're doing in Oklahoma. And it, you know, again, elections matter, like Frank just said. And if, just think if you are a woman in Oklahoma, you know, you definitely want to try to elect some people that align more of your views, no matter which side you're on in, in that uh, situation. Uh, I wanted to move on to some, I guess, hypocrisy in uh, in in politics where I, I actually can call out both sides. I know people have said before that I rarely criticize you know, the Obama administration, which is not true. It hasn't come up much in this show because he's not running for re-election. He's in the last year of his office, so it's not really a lot to say. He's pretty much done everything that he's done. But um, Ben Rhodes, a couple of weeks ago, he uh, gave an interview to the New York Times, and Ben Rhodes is the deputy national security advisor to the Obama administration. And basically what has Republicans up in arms, Frank, is he is bragging and boasting how the Obama administration pretty much tricked and lied to the public about getting support for the uh, Iran deal. You know, we made a deal with Iran to supposedly help get rid of uh, to stop them from pursuing a nuclear weapon. And a lot of conservatives were against it. First off, they a lot of people don't even believe we should be negotiating with Iran. Uh, and that's a whole different story. But. He was bragging and boasting that they lied and, and tricked the public. And he was bragging about how uh, how stupid and how easily <laughs> reporters can be manipulated into buying into a story. And so, you no, know, naturally, the Republicans, 
they were outraged and Congress called for him to testify before Congress and the White House invoked executive privilege, which means he doesn't have to go to Congress and testify if he doesn't want to. Now, I bring that up because I remember uh, Democratic-led Congress, they wanted to talk to uh, Karl Rove, who was uh, President George Bush's, uh, sec- I mean, uh, I can't even think of it right now. But he was in he was in the Bush administration's uh, cabinet and they also claim executive privilege. And I remember a lot of liberals, you know, crying foul, but they're very quiet about this now that the Obama administration has claimed the same thing. And on the other on the other side, on the flip side, we all have heard about the Benghazi Benghazi story and how uh, Hillary Clinton should have done more well. The leading attorney for the Republicans that have been going after Hillary Clinton, Army Lieutenant General Dana Chipman, has come out and said there was nothing Secretary Clinton have done to prevent Benghazi. Again, the leading attorney for the Republicans, who a few Republicans have admitted that, yes, this is hopefully to help take her down a notch. So they've admitted to politicizing this whole thing. He has said that there's nothing that she could have done to prevent Benghazi. So I just wanted to bring up how both sides are wrong in this case, right? Like you don't hear any liberals calling out the Obama administration for invoking executive privilege because if they lie to the public, if they trick the public, you know, questions do need to be answered on that. And on the other side, you shouldn't be politicizing. Like it was supposed to be about the deaths of Americans in Benghazi. And you got members saying, no, actually, it's about taking Hillary down. So why why no outrage from from conservatives on on people that have admitted that and outrage from liberals when the Obama administration is doing the same thing that the Bush administration did? I mean, I think it's a great point what you're saying. And Karl Rove was a chief uh, deputy advisor, I believe. Chief uh, of staff. Chief of staff. Right. Yes. Um, And so. You asked a great question. Why? Because it's just like you know what it's like. It's like giving give you a sports analogy, and I, and, and I know you're gonna hate this. You you don't. I know you don't like LeBron much now. You're not <laughs> you're not his biggest fan. But there was a there was a time when you 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 pretty much I I know you would have defended him. He was on your team. He was one of your guys. So I kind of think that's exactly what it is. When somebody when when your team is doing something, it's you ju- you find a way to justify it. When the other team is doing it. Uh, you find a way to criticize it. And sadly, this isn't just sports, which isn't that serious. This is politics, which generally has m- much more serious consequences than sports, unless you have a gambling problem. Um, that's another another topic for the show another day. But I, I mean, it's as simple as that. You, you know, there's no way, you know, obviously the Benghazi thing has come out and it's been this thing where, you know, Hillary Clinton has been, you know, almost. Uh, you know, vilify, crucify, whatever the term you want to use, because there was some there was there's been there's been a a uh, certain there there's a sentiment out there that says, well, if Hillary Clinton had been on her game, she could have prevented the Benghazi attacks. And that was just dismissed. And and then going back to Ben Rhodes, it's like, of course, people shouldn't hide behind uh, in any law to not tell the truth or to not give the full story. I think that's that's terrible. And, and the fact that it's been done in the past is just a is part of a broken system. So, I mean, you know, you, if you listen to this show and you hear us, you know, sometimes you might think we're, we're, we're leaning one way or another. We're really not. We 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 don't like 
any any uh, funny business when it comes to politics because more more than anything, th- all these politicians are more alike than 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 uh, than they're like us. Like we're like each other and they're like each other and they divide us over different things. You know, I know two I know people that make the same amount of money live in the same neighborhood and they have you know two different political views. Why? I mean. They shouldn't. They should be consolidated to one place. But for whatever reason, there's different issues that will divide them. So uh, the politicians do a good job with that. And, and that's why, you know, they, the main thing politicians do, and it's funny, is they their job is to get elected. It's not necessarily to govern, not necessarily to, you know, fix things. I mean, that is part of the process, but the main process is for them to get elected. So, you know, you see these things happen and you see the shade that was thrown at Hillary Clinton. and You see what, you know, Ben Rhodes is doing as far as maybe. Uh, not telling, you know, speaking up and telling the truth because maybe he doesn't want to damage, you know, the administration, uh, you know, for future, future, uh, you know, reference, you know, for other candidates. And it's just, it's just all a, a vicious cycle, um, uh, that, that needs to end in American politics that, you know, like I said, we got to go out and vote, vote these people out of office or vote, you know, whenever we can. And then sometimes there's nothing we can do about it, unfortunately, in these kind of cases. But, uh, whenever you can, just obviously try to make your voice heard. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different campaigns and petitions that float around that you can find uh, sometimes when you see these kind of issues. And I encourage you to get involved in those and, and, and donate or, or get involved in those kind of things if you see those kind of uh, these kind of injustices happen. You brought up a great example uh, with, with the sports analogy. And, you know, I, you, when you think about it, it's like you don't even have to use the LeBron thing. It's like when your team gets penalized for something, you know, oh, man, the refs are out to get us. And when they get the other team, you, you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. So in politics, you know, that that's exactly what happens. So both parties wind up doing the same thing just at different times. So whenever the Democrats commit a foul, instead of calling out their party, what they do is say, well, the Republicans did it, too. They did it back then or they did it. And the Republicans do the same thing when they commit a foul instead of calling themselves out. They say, well, hey, you know, the Democrats did this, too. And we never we never get any type of accountability, accountability. And that's that's what's so frustrating to a lot of people. Uh, I posted on our Facebook page, Politically Entertainment, how right now, according to the Gallup poll, Congress's approval rating is at 17 percent. It was actually in single digits a few years ago. And one of the reasons why is because no accountability. Now, I do question Americans on that because while Congress's approval rating is only 17 percent, we statistically we keep voting in the same people over and over and over. Like 90 percent of Congress is the same every election. So we keep saying we're fed up with Congress. Yeah, keep sending the same people there. So there's something to that as well. Again, we're going to discuss uh, Crystal Lake in a few moments. Uh, this young lady, she's 22 years old. She works at a Home Depot in Staten Island. She wore she wore an interesting hat that had the Internet going nuts. I mean, a lot of people was talking about it on social media. So, again, me and Frank will give you our take on that. Um, before we get to it, the last story I wanted to touch on. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I told you guys we don't really cover stories that have been covered a lot in the media. But sometimes the story is so big that we can't we can't help but say a little something on it. And last week, as you know, Frank, uh, Egypt Air, they had a plane that crashed on its way to Paris, I believe. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, 
a lot of people are speculating that it could be terrorism, but that hasn't been proven yet. And nobody has actually uh, laid claim to be to it yet. You know, Taliban, ISIS, your usual suspects. Nobody has laid claim to it. Uh, but they have found like debris and luggage and pieces of the plane. For a while, they couldn't find anything. We thought we had another disappearing plane like uh, Malaysia Airlines a couple of years ago. So they're still figuring it out. Um, someone brought up an interesting take, though, and they said, I want to get your thoughts on this, Frank. He said that if it is terrorism, uh, you there is a chance that no group will claim it because what will happen is, is he believes terrorists are trying to find, figure out a way to put a bomb on a plane without it being detected by X-ray, by metal detector, anything like that. And once they successfully do that, then they know they got us and they don't want to they don't want to bring attention to the fact that they have. They want to keep us guessing, like, was it terrorism? You know, what really brought down the plane? If they lay claim to it that, yeah, it was a bomb, then they feel like it would tip investigators off on what to look for. So I, I thought that was a, a different, interesting take on that. Um, I don't know if you followed the story a little more than I have. I haven't followed it that much. I know it has gotten blanketed coverage, and I did think it was important enough to say a few words about it. Yeah, I think any time that you have a plane crash with lives are lost, uh, you know, certainly an international incident is worth talking about. So our prayers and, and thoughts do go out to uh, the family members, you know, who were who were uh, in, involved in, in that crash. That's definitely a tragedy. Uh, with that being said, it's a very good point about the whole terrorism. If they did, if they were able to, uh, you know, say, get a bomb on a plane some kind of way or get some kind of explosive incendiary device and detonate it, would they want to claim responsibility for it, or would they want to, uh, as you would say, maybe try it in a test run, and then maybe if they were able to do it successfully, then do it on a wider scale, and then potentially claim responsibility for it uh, on like a larger scale. I mean, you know, I, I think that one of the things that, you know, make makes puts fear in people is the terrorism is terrorists taking uh, credit for these attacks. It puts people in fear. So. I, I do, you know, the the other side is, well, if they did do it, why wouldn't they take responsibility? And, and of course, that was your counter, the whole, well, we need to test it out and see if it can actually be. I mean, it's difficult to know because, like you said, uh, the, the Malaysian flight that has been, uh, there's there's strange things that happen uh, with some of these planes, and, and we may never know uh, what happened, you know, but they did find out what happened with the Air France, and that was a, long, a much longer time ago. I think that was maybe going on seven or eight years ago. And that was actually pilot error that actually caused that plane to crash. So sometimes you have pilot error where they make a mistake, uh, you know, in certain certain controls and end up, you know, crashing the plane. So that you can't necessarily rule that out either. In certain strange cases, the pilot, you know, sometimes pilot, we don't think about pilots making mistakes. You know, there's a lot of times you drive, right? And I drive, we drive every day, or at least I drive every day to work. And sometimes you don't see a guy, you get over, you know, a little too close to another lane. You're like, ooh, I could have sideswiped him or the same thing happens to you or you, you know, just, you know, you're not driving the best you can. Well, when you're, you know, in a, in a plane going hundreds of miles an hour, mistakes are magnified a lot greater. You know, there's no such thing as a fender bender in your in an airplane. So, I mean, obviously, you know, those are things that you have to look at also. But certainly it's, it's concerning when, when they don't know exactly what happened. You like them to be able to find out uh, what happened so that if it was terrorism, obviously you start trying to figure out. Uh, you know, maybe who the culprit was. And if it's not terrorism or if it's a problem where 
you know, with a problem with the, with the plane itself or the equipment or the pilot, you want that to be found as well. If there's a defect in certain planes or if there was a, a certain pilot that had a certain issue that hadn't been addressed, there's a lot of things that, you know, when a plane crashes, you have to question. None of them are, are pretty, but hopefully that will get to the bottom of it and, and, and have, you know, peace and closure for the families involved in the situation. I express my condolences. It was a total of 66 uh, passengers on that plane and a handful of them were kids. So very sad incident. And like you say, I do hope they get to the bottom of it. Uh, just 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 sad all the way around. And like I say, it's, it's definitely been heavily covered in the media, but it's it's one of those mega stories to where, you know, even if you're a show that that doesn't uh, cover, you know, stories that are covered heavily. It's so big that you have to say something about it. Um, so Miss Crystal Lake, Frank, she, like I said earlier in the show, she's 22 years old. She works uh, part time. Well, I assume part time. Maybe she's full time, but she works at Home Depot. And someone took a picture of her wearing a hat and posted it on social media. And the hat said America was never now, those of you familiar with uh, Donald Trump's slogan, his slogan is Make America Great Again. So uh, what she has said, because she uh, was interviewed by the local paper, she has said that she knows uh, there are a lot of opportunities in America. But why would you want America to go back to the past? We should be focused on trying to make it better. So she definitely explained herself. But I'll say this. Um, and she says she's going to wear the hat again. Home Depot did ask her to, you know, no longer wear it, I guess, to work. She says she's going to wear it again. Despite the death threat she's gotten, you know, any type of anytime there's any type of controversy, Frank, uh, crazies are going to send death threats. So she's gotten death threats. I'm sure she's gotten racial slurs. She's a young black female. Um, I'm sure she's got the, 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 the predictable well, if America isn't great, why don't you just leave? I'm sure she's gotten that. But she says she's going to wear it again. I will say, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. I will say that just reading the hat, just the, the title of the hat itself, America was never great. I would probably slightly disagree. I know I saw a lot of comments on social media that were like, you know, really praising the slogan of the hat. They really loved it. And I like that it starts a conversation. I do love that part. I don't know if I can 100% sign up by saying America was never great because if you look at you look at some other countries, you know, where I mean, yeah, we we're not perfect by no means, by no means. We we have a very horrible disgusting uh history, especially when it deals with uh the slavery of my race and just the treatment of my race in uh the Jim Crow era. But um I will say that this country is not perfect. I'm not even sure. I don't know if it's the best. I know a lot of people say we're, this is the best country on earth. This, that, and other. That that can be debatable depending on what you're basing that on, I guess. But I I, I do think it's a great place to live. There's nowhere else I would want to live. I do know there are countries that are much, much worse. So I don't agree necessarily with the title, but I do love the conversation and how she explained it by saying that we no we want to go back to the past. I cringe when I hear people say. You know, uh, I miss the good old days. I had this conversation with somebody one time and I was like, what, what was the good old days? He was like, you know, like it seemed like everybody just got along in the 60s. I said, the 60s. You mean when they was 
spraying water hoses and sticking German shepherds on people that that getting along. So I do I do uh, reject that notion. But overall, I think it's a great country. It's a country that needs a lot of work, a lot of work. But um, I do like the discussion that she started. Yeah, I don't, I don't I think it's a great discussion. I mean, first of all, let's just let's just call it what it is. Going back to Donald Trump's hat, make America great again. That's code. Uh, and we always talk about different things, political political things, and that's just political code. And certainly for uh, you know African American, we're both African American males, same age, from the same city, and especially being from the South, that's that's code for states' rights. And states' rights to uh, you know African American basically means segregation. Okay, so w- whether or not that's what's the intent, a lot of people, or at least you know a lot of people take that and make America great again. Let's go back to an era of segregation. Go back to Plessy versus Ferguson. Separate is equal. You know, let's stop all the the handouts. I'm doing an air quote. I know you can't see what this is in no video, but I'm doing the the air quote handouts. Uh, you know, let's let's get back to our good old fashioned hardworking and and all that stuff is just kind of uh, you know ridiculous in its assertion. And it's also on the other side, uh, America was never great. Is also incorrect from a standpoint of. You know, while there have been many atrocities, as you pr- pr- pointed out, there's atrocities in every country. Every country has civil wars that has democracy because people just don't try to arrive at democracy. They say, you know what, my way is my way of the highway. We're going to go to war. And then, you know, you go back and look at the history of all countries that have democracy. They've probably gone through a civil war. And if, if it's been installed by by a government uh, outside of the, the, the country, then it generally ends up in a civil war anyway. Case in point, look at Iraq. So, you know, for me, the idea that, you know, there are, there are atrocities that happen in the world and countries, that's the nature of man. The nature of, of man is to is to dominate and, and such things. And, and so you have those issues. But, you know, that being said, there's a lot of great opportunities in America, uh, you know, for success. And obviously they're not necessarily as, uh, you know, clear cut and available as, you know, Maybe maybe they should be. Maybe we want them to be. Uh, but but you know it's, it's just it's two two extreme positions. Neither one of them are, are correct. There are people that say let's go back to the good old days, and people say that nothing was ever good. And that's just a bad way to look at both of those things. I think both of those things are are not accomplishing anything, which is progress. You don't you're not going to have any progress when people are looking at uh you know two 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 opposite sides of the lens. You have to have to come to a consensus on okay, America has a lot of issues, but there is an opportunity. You know, obviously, America has progressed to a certain point. There are some issues. Certainly, we talked about it even on the show where we talk about civil liberty issues, you know, social injustices with African-Americans. But we also do have an African-American president. Uh, and that, that's something, like I said, to 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 uh, certainly celebrate and, 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 and I feel like is an accomplishment. And and, and it's just difficult to quantify uh, what's everything that's good and bad? We could spend the whole show saying, okay, here's the thing that's good about America, here's the thing that's bad. But for the most part, you know, while things are, progress is slow, once it happens, it generally takes hold and make, it makes a difference and it's better. And our lives are better than our parents, I believe. And I, and I do continue to pray and hope that our children's lives are better than ours. And really that is what you want to measure. Everything is just not going to be 100% great at any point in time. I don't think that's the case. But when you look and say, OK, is my life better than my parents? Do I have better opportunities than my parents? If you say yes, then things are better. If your children are having more opportunities than you had, then that is that is progress. Now, if you see it going the other way, then that's when you definitely, you know, 
have issues, but you have to continue to fight so that you have that progress each generation. But I just, that's just my thoughts on it. I, you know, I, I do commend her for wearing the hat because it does take guts to wear it. Certainly yes. young, young, young black female, uh, you know, going against really, it's like she almost is, is basically is her against Trump, even though that's not the case. Trump is the first guy that wore his hat and she's, you know, much lower on the pecking order wearing her hat. So she doesn't have the, the base of support that, that even they support her. So, you know, I, like I said, respect to her for expressing her opinion, expressing her view. And that's what this country is about, too. That's the thing that's so crazy now. Like we've gotten to a point where people can't have a disagreement about what they feel like is is the right thing or the way that people should live without it turning into a thing of where, you know, it, it's 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 do you know, it shouldn't be a life or death struggle because somebody wears a hat that has a saying on it. You may not agree with that saying then, you know, don't agree with it. But it doesn't it, like her hat doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect your your the economy. It doesn't affect uh, your job, doesn't affect your home life, uh, neither any more than Donald Trump's hat does. But although Donald Trump is in a position, you know, to be in office where you can affect it, hats don't really affect day to day lives. They're just, uh, you know, mouthpieces for opinions. She is. Miss Lake did say that it's ironic that Donald Trump gets to say stuff that he says and his supporters like support him. But times when says something that is in disagreement with him, then they send death threats and they don't they don't, they don't take it well. But I will say this, Frank, the irony of her wearing that hat, the irony of a Kanye West being able to say that Bush doesn't like black people. The irony is that they're able to say that and don't have to worry about going missing because there's a lot of countries where she if she were to wear that hat. There are a lot of countries that if Kanye West was to type, talk about the uh, the leader of his country like that, you know, they would get taken out. So that that's my take. That that's the that's the whole irony on it. And I do want to let the listeners know I'm I'm actually going to try and see if I can get her to come on the show and tell her side. We'll see how that goes because uh, I would love to have her on and just uh, talk to her because 22 years old, man, like. I remember in 22, I I don't think I even cared enough about politics. So like you said, man, kudos to her for even wearing it and, and starting this conversation. Um, I'm going to let you take us out, Frank. I just wanted to uh, real quick say, again, please subscribe to the uh, podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're also on Google. If you download the pod, podcast app, search for Politically Entertaining. We're also on the Podbean app. So just search for us, Politically Entertaining. When you subscribe, the advantage is you get the episode directly to your device as soon as it's uploaded. Uh, you also can check out our website, politicallyentertaining.com. We have all of our shows going all the way back to my interview with the Washington Times, Stephen Dining, all the way up to this episode. So we're all over social media, Instagram, Twitter. And I, one other thing I wanted to say was a couple of you all have been inboxing me on ideas and, and topics that you like for me and Frank to discuss. I welcome that. The only thing I ask is that, hey, we have a Facebook page, you know, go on there and mention it. And, you know, maybe you can get a conversation started about it because we want more interaction with you guys on our Facebook page as well. Me and Frank, we post articles, we post videos on there, uh, different polls and surveys. So, you know, any idea that you have for me and Frank that you'd like to discuss, uh, we're more than willing to do it. Uh, but, you know, do it on one of our social media platforms, get some interaction going and uh, we'll do our best to get to it. So thank you again for listening. And I pass it over to my partner real quick. 
Again, just want to reiterate what Byron said. Thank you for listening. We're excited uh, heading into the political season. Definitely continue to listen to the show. Share your thoughts. Share your feedback. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. It makes our show better. And the show is made for you. So without you and your support, we wouldn't be here. Uh, we just want to uh, let you guys get out of here. And we'll see you soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Thank you.